Hey, what's happening, guys? Welcome to the Collective Mindset Podcast. My name is Jordan. This is my compadre. I am Gavin Guthrie. Good to be here. We're ready to rock and roll today. Yup. Um, we wanted to piggyback and talk a little bit more on our previous episode and uh, where we discussed whether or not a crash was coming. Link in the uh, description there if you didn't get a chance to catch that. Um, slightly controversial take depending on the circles you run in. But uh, we wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit more, some of the feedback we received, some of the continued dialogue that we're having in regards to um, the current real estate market, what's happening with mortgage rates, the Fed, and all of this craziness. Yeah. I think um, you and I have felt it, right? There's a lot of people, a lot of differing opinions on all of this. But I think the one thing we all agree on is these are really weird. Uh, the conditions going on in the economy and just in the general real estate market are very strange. This is just uncharted territory for most of us. I don't think anyone's really seen a situation like this where we've got super high inflation. Uh, everyone's housing payments are kind of just on the way up and up and up as far as rents and new home buyers. Um, and we've got persistent inflation and we've got higher rates. We've just got a lot of pain going on. And it. I feel like the market's kind of got us prepared or feeling like, hey, this is the new norm. And I, I think you and I might be feeling this and maybe others when they're talking about this crash is coming, right? Like we're all kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Or, you know, how does that impact the real estate market? How does that impact impact uh, potential homeowners and, and just the families that we know and our families, right? How does it impact us? So, um, you know, we've got some stats here, a little bit about what the market's doing in general, but we really just wanted to kind of get into the nitty gritty and have a have a little bit of a combo. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing, what kind of what you're touching on there, Gav, is about you know all of the how how confused all of the experts are in this process. So yeah. I would obviously like I'm going to call myself an expert. Um, because I've just been involved in real estate and mortgage finance for over 20 years. And so I, I, I wrote loans in the early 2000s. I watched the housing crisis unfold in 2006, 7, 8, and then the disaster that then ensued in 9, 10, 11. I mean, it's like I've been there. I've seen it. I have discussions all the time. And there's so many things that are different than there were last time. It's not so simple as, oh, well, there were, you know – pay option arm loans or stated income. It, it's more so than that, you know? Um, but this time, why we say this time is different is because it is different. It doesn't mean that there's no crash. The crash couldn't come because there very well could be a crash that comes, mm -hmm. but it also could be isolated to specific populations. It, it could be, you In, know, industry specific, <clears throat> industry specific. Yeah. A stock market crash isn't the same thing as a real estate crash. So what, what if we do this? So what are the different, like we, we talked a lot about a black swan event last time, right? Like mm -hmm. a, a black swan event, something just kind of unaccounted for that would cause, that is outside of the, the data that we have right now, right? Because mm -hmm. the data we have right now is that there's super limited supply. A lot of people don't want to sell, um, you know, the supply, you know, supply and demand balance is out of whack. Um, all those things point to no crash. But the black swan events, we keep talking about it. So what, what are some things that would be a black swan event in your mind, Jordan? 
Well, I mean, first off, any kind of like natural disaster of a significant nature, right? Like if there was major earthquake or just crazy hurricane, that kind of stuff. Terrorist attack or something. Terrorist attack. There's a lot of talk. I mean, we we can't ignore the fact that there's a part of the world that's at war, and there's other, you know, China and Russia have both. Like they've got to look at the weakness of America right now, and you know if you're a, if you have a grand plan, then you want to attack America. Like, yeah. <laughs> probably could, never could be a good time. Never been a better time than now. So I mean, there's those kind of things I would say are a black swan. You also have obviously like if another pandemic came, yeah, um, something else that caused like unemployment to absolutely skyrocket or spike now. We also so it's this kind of this idea in my mind that the the Fed and most economists and banks are kind of playing this game of financial chicken, and the Fed for sure is because they're just like okay how much how much more like instead of how much more air can I put in this balloon, it's kind of the same thing. It's like how much more can I pump these rates, and keep this balloon nice and flat so it press it presses everything else down without it popping and exploding. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what that's what it feels like. And if you listen to any bank CEO, like listen to Jamie Dimon, who is a CEO of Chase Bank, and he's out there and he's like, duh, like kind of sounding the alarm bells for all of his investors and people. Yeah. Because the, these policies, if it maintains, if we maintain course where we're at, there's a good chance there's financial Armageddon on the other side. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them, they just, they keep commenting and maybe it's because they're big public figures, right? They can't speculate. They they can a little bit, but they really- They're very vague can. with their they description. They have to stay vague and they kind of like anything that they are speculating on, they they usually need to point to data that, mm-hmm. that tells them why they're, you know, tells them or justifies why they're saying this. Um in my mind, right, like it's it's what they're not saying is probably what is going to happen, right? Like they're all going to be wrong and they're all publicly they'll be wrong. They'll probably be right behind the scenes. They'll know it's coming. But publicly they might be wrong. But, you know, the things I keep running through my head is, okay, these, these black swan events that could happen, what do they look like? And then how does it play out from there, right? Like play those play each one of those tapes to the end, right? So a big natural disaster, right? The whole west coast gets hit by a tsunami something crazy like hurricane just something massive to that extent right that could be something a terrorist attack something like that um you know are we going to be looking at massive job loss where where the unemployment number goes way that's, up that's or? what yeah that's what a lot of these guys are saying though they're like oh this crash is coming so you yeah. listen to people say there's a crash and they go well there's a crash because there's a recession coming which, okay, I can kind of believe that, but the only way the crash comes is if if job losses are tremendous. Yeah. Like I, I even think right now, if you if you go from a three and a half to a four and a half, maybe even a five percent unemployment, I don't think that triggers a, a housing crisis. Yeah. I think and and maybe it depends on what what industries, what sectors yeah. experience the biggest job loss, right? Because COVID happened. Unemployment numbers went to the moon, but it was honestly, it was like the people who probably were least likely to own homes were is who yeah. was losing their job. So that really didn't impact real estate in that way. Whereas if 
especially if you go market by market, right? If we have a serious tech slowdown, San Francisco is going to get destroyed. Their their market's going to get wrecked. If we have a serious uh, Wall Street um, banking, crisis. banking crisis, right? New York might get crushed. So mm-hmm. it might depend on what... Hopefully there's a political crisis and a government <laughs> shutdown and D.C. gets crushed. <laughs> right? So that's kind of what I keep playing out in my head, right? Is Is what is the precipitating event that kicks it all off? Because I do think there's probably some sort of there's definitely some repercussions to what we've been we've been doing. The interest rate hikes, what the Fed has done, just the pumping the economy full of money like no other, and now trying to suck it all out. Yeah, there's gonna be the economy's gonna buck and haw and just it's gonna hate it. And so eventually something breaks, and what starts it, and what's the cascade of events that follow? Right, because we had a stock market crash in two thousand eight. Or was it 2008, mm-hmm. 2007, 2008? October 2008. Yeah, it happened before the real estate really crashed. And and so what happens on our end, right? Is it a stock market crash that causes a banking collapse or the other way around, right? A banking collapse or a banking crisis with, with the way treasuries and bonds are. More banks collapse and that triggers something in the stock market and that triggers layoffs in tech. Mm-hmm. And, and where does that all play out? You know, that's kind of what I keep playing out in my head. And, and, you know, I don't know. Do you think we can have a stock market crash without a real estate, without ultimately a real estate crash? I do. I, I think what could trigger the stock market crash, though, is going to be the, the challenge that's going to come about by the commercial real estate. And so that's a lot of times if you're listening to national people and they're talking about this real estate crisis, Right now, if there was a, an asterisk there, they're probably more talking about a commercial real estate crisis because of the commercial mortgage-backed securities that are all going to roll over. Yeah. And the reason why that's important to understand is because most of those are on an arm or an adjustable rate or a period of time. So three, five, seven years. And if those loans were written in 2000 on a three-year note, well, guess what? That note is maturing now. And so – a majority, I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know the data. I know it's a significantly high number. Like 90% of the mortgages are on 30-year fixed rate mortgages at, say, 3.5%. So the, the the residential housing market is insulated to a certain degree from that kind of a data point. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, the soft landing everyone's talking about. In my head, I feel like they're talking about the... The stock market, there, there, the right? Stock market. They're, they're talking about can the can the market weather this is you know without the Dow having some twenty percent correction, mm-hmm. and you know I feel like Wall Street, they're basically just sitting around trying to trying to wait out the next guy, right? So it's almost like they're trying to can Wall Street just stay afloat long enough for a real estate crash to happen so that they can still be in the money and and buy it up, mm-hmm. or. You know what I mean? Like, or can commercial real estate crash first so that they can still be in the money and buy it up? Like, that's what they're probably hoping for. And I think there's so much money and so many influential people that work in that realm that that's probably what's kept things going thus Mm -hmm. far. Can I I talk about a couple of things? I want to talk about things specific to residential mortgage real estate in a crash or no crash. Yeah. And this is why I'm I'm fairly convinced that there's not a crash. Could there be a pullback and a and a and a slight, you know, dip in prices? I, I believe that's possible. So but I'm talking a crash of like thirty yeah. percent. And here's why. 
majority of people have super low rates on their mortgage. Majority of the people have a massive cushion. Like the average homeowner in America has a $200,000 or more cushion, which is absolutely significant. So that that's probably greater than 30%. Mm-hmm. So I don't see where a distressed sell comes from. Now, then the second part about that, even if people lose their jobs and you've got a $2,000 a month mortgage payment, the average rent right now is $2,500 a month. So why are you going to fire sell your house, which is what happens in a distressed market? You, you take way less than you want to then go move somewhere else and pay more. It doesn't, that logic doesn't make sense. So let's back it up. It's like, oh, well, 2008 versus 2023. In 2008, the leading up to 2008 was like the gold rush in real estate. It was purely speculation. People were rushing into housing with no qualification whatsoever because the lending guidelines allowed it. Yeah. So people owned multiple properties off stated income, stated assets, 100% financing. So what happens at 100% finance, you have nothing vested. You're going to lose it. There's a 5% dip in that price. Well, I don't care. I'm losing it anyways. Whatever. Let it go. That is completely different than the case now. Everybody put money down. There was no such thing as really 100% financing. Everybody had money in. Now they gained equity. Are those people going to just bail on that house? No, they're not. And do those people that's a first-time home buyer, do they happen to own seven homes? No, because there's no stated income program that allowed it. Yeah. So there's the, oh, but, 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 wait. So let's let's just address that those people aren't going to fire sell their homes yep. because there's nowhere else for them to go because there's a lack of inventory, lack of supply. Go look for you know rental properties in Gilbert, Arizona, and guess what? There's, you know, I don't even know. There's not very many. Yep. So there's that point right there that I don't see happening. So the next big thing, Gavin, is I hear people say, but oh, but I heard about Airbnb and the Airbnb numbers are down. Now, <clears throat> I think that there could be some validity to that, but I yeah. still think Airbnbs will pencil on these people won't fire sell. What do you think? Well, I think they'll at least be able to make their payments, right? Like I'm not fire selling something if it can pay for itself. Yeah, most people bought an Airbnb in the last few years or refinanced it's, it for sure. And, and especially if on paper I have equity. Yeah. I'd say 5% and it's a business. Yeah. You're using it as a business. You're renting it out. You just have to be a little bit smarter, but yeah. you could figure out how to make that thing pencil. Yeah, 100%. You know, kind of to your point there, there's just a lot of buoying factors, right? Mm-hmm. Like if an event happened, if that put downward pressure on real estate pricing. There's a lot of just underlying support levels that would make it, you know, not very advantageous for a person to walk away from a home, to to let it go to foreclosure, to fire sell, like whatever it was, there's just a lot of reasons why they wouldn't. Uh-huh. Just because of where rents have gone, just because of the mental struggle of letting, you know, equity disappear or evaporate. Like uh-huh. if people don't have to sell, they're not gonna. So I think that's where we got to you've got to differentiate crash versus drop in house value. And this is what was so interesting to me this year. So at the end of 2022, let's say last year, if you would have asked me this question, are home prices going to dip a little bit in 2023? I would have said yes. Yeah. And in January and February, and I think even into March, I believe I was correct. There there was a dip in house prices. Yeah. 
But then all of a sudden something happened and that thing, that script flipped and all of a sudden house prices started to appreciate again. And you're like, holy cow, house prices are appreciating. Yep. And they've they've somehow managed to weather this storm, and it's due to the lack of inventory. Because I think what happened is you had all these people that said, well, shoot, let's see if I can't get top dollar. This is probably peak market right here. And they were they could have been right, obviously, you know, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. And so they just threw their house up for sale just to see, and then nothing happened, nothing happened, and they pulled their house back off. Yeah. But now we've seen appreciation. So what's going to happen in 2024? I mean – what the data would support is that the Fed is going to pause rates. They keep saying they're going to hike rates from here on out, but I believe that's just it's hyperbole. They, that's they hyper. Have to speak that that's way. verbal candy, yeah. and that's just so that the market doesn't have some big rally because they know as soon as they say we're not hiking anymore, the stock market's going to go nuts, and they don't want that either. Um, which I understand. Yeah, uh, don't don't. I, I think they're doing the right thing there, but it's frustrating. And I blame the Fed for all of this anyways. But I still think that in 2024, as we dip into a recession, rates are going to cool. Mortgage bonds should come back down. Yeah. Assuming there's no black swan event. And once rates get down, I say low sixes, we get into the fives. We we, we start to return to a normal housing market, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I don't know, though, like, if you couple lower rates with economic struggle, right? Like maybe a higher unemployment number or maybe certain sectors just aren't thriving like they have. The 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 loose policy with money goes away. Um, if you can get rates, yeah, five and a half, even like 6%, low sixes, people transact. People mm-hmm. buy homes. You're going to have some sellers. You're going to have buyers. I think, you know, we probably aren't going to see the kinds of appreciation that we saw, um, you know, in years past, but I still think you're definitely going to have a good solid market where people are transacting and that loosens things up. That lets a person who needs that move up home, get that move up home without feeling like they're absolutely screwing themselves, right. For leaving Mm -hmm. a 3% rate to go get eight. Um, so I definitely think you're right in that regard. I think next year can be a very good year, even with some economic struggle or recession, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, it's something that the data keeps evolving. It's something we got to keep our eye on. Yeah. But I still am a very firm believer that now is going to be a great time to buy. And it could be the best time or last chance to buy. Yeah. Well, it's just like we we're listening to the, you know, head market strategist for Zillow and nationwide they're just looking at it and they're i mean you can see the concern they don't know but the inventory is a key level and as long as that inventory says stays low and there's mm-hmm. no there's no portion of the demographic that is a distressed seller and right now there's i mean it's not there's no there's not even close to being a distressed seller yeah and that's why i think it is it's really this game of financial chicken you could get we, the fed could accomplish everything and if they are careful with their unemployment push unemployment up, say, a percent, dip us into a recession that allows rates to be able to cool back off down to this level we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. low sixes, high fives. That's a lot of those people that lost their jobs are typically, those people are not your typical home buyers anyway. So that I think that allows the relief and then that'll pick up the activity. And that's why we kind of have this attitude of like, 
this might be one of your last chances because if there's that little dip and rates come down, well, because of the lack of inventory, that's just going to cause house prices to continue their climb higher and uh, yeah, make things unaffordable. Or, or as crazy right, as it is, right? Think if if you're one of the unlucky people who lose your job, and you're, you're in a sector, right? Like AI takes over your sector. It's like right now might have been your your chance. This is the chance, and it's like although it feels uncomfortable right now, I think people who are jumping in right now and and putting up with what feels uncomfortable, a little bit higher payment, these higher rates, I think ultimately they're going to be happy they they did. Yeah. And they're going to be happy that they got into the home ownership game. Down the line, there's going to be opportunities to refinance. But um, I, I think for those that just sit on the sidelines thinking they're going to be able to catch a falling dagger, as they say, or whatever they say, right? Mm-hmm. That you're just going to be able to get that that drop in price and drop in rate and time it perfect. Uh, I just don't see that happening for yeah. very many people. Like, and you, you know, it happens. People time it perfectly sometimes, but well, I just don't see it. Yeah, and keep in mind the the original reasons to buy houses back in the day. Anyways, you're you're not paying someone else's mortgage; you're paying yours. You're paying yeah. down, you know, the mortgage or on your own home, and the interest that you're paying, even if it's high, at seven percent, seven and a half percent, it's fully tax deductible. Yeah. So it's like you still you you gain all of those tax advantages, and the the, the reasons why to own real estate are still there. And historically, we may have. You know, you could look back and be like, oh, man, I bought a house in 2007 and it just was terrible. But if you like the home and you lived in there for 10 years, your house that you bought in 2007 come 2017, 18, like you were back in the money and everything yeah. was great. And then, holy cow, if you lived there a few more years, you you were way ahead. Yeah. So it's just the cycle. There is a cycle to everything. This could be the top or this could be a little mini dip before the continued run up. We don't know, but right now the data says we're, we're just in a little mini kind of a pause before another run-up. That's what the data would suggest, I think. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I'd say if, if Bitcoin can be a million dollars, your 1,500-square-foot house in Ahwatukee can be a million dollars. Buy hard assets. Buy, buy Gold, assets. Gold, yep. real estate, Bitcoin, boats don't qualify. Sorry. <laughs> Tell you what, when we're in the middle of a recession, I'll buy yours. Yeah. yeah. Now that will drop in value. So, well, cool. Well, I think that that was some good information. I do. I still am very optimistic about real estate. And if you don't own a home, I still think we got to figure out a way for you to do so. Um, that's where we're at. I think regardless of whatever this crash people are talking about might happen, I still think that there's this asymmetrical risk profile, right? There's just mm-hmm. way more upside than there is potential downside. And take the emotion out of it and look at it logically. And I think, you know, you can't really refute it. Like you buying a home is going to be the best thing you could do for yourself and your family and all of it. So cool. Cool. Thanks, thanks you for, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. See ya.